0: Well, I was at a pastor's summit in Montana this week, and uh, (laughs) oh, they're rascals is what they are. But when you get a bunch of pastors sitting in a room for about seven hours a day discussing doctrine, uh, (laughs) I set them all straight. That's all I'm telling you. They needed me there. I set them straight. Praise God. They were getting off, I'm telling you. But uh, they also set me straight on some things. And uh, most times we go to conferences, there's preaching. You know, that's the typical way. Uh, in the back room, you're just fellowshipping and talking. But the Lord told, spoke to myself, and, and uh, I was one of the founders of it, but me and another pastor. And we, we gather pastors together, senior pastors. And we sit and we just sit around a table all day long. We break for lunch, and we do three sessions a day. And we just talk about ministry, issues, church issues counseling issues doctrinal issues what god is doing in the body of christ uh, warning signs dangers what ministers to be aware of because there's a lot of people out there today that are preaching wrong false doctrine that are on the television and you'd know their names and i don't always follow all of that but some of these ministers follow we are to be watchmen for the body of christ because error the seducing spirits and doctrines of demons try to come into the church and so we it, its 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 kind of not tiring, but when you're talking that much, and of course I write a lot of notes in it, and uh, I write probably more notes in that than I even do when I'm in when I'm in uh, cat meetings and those kind of things, because there is so much discussed that is of aid to me, and that, that helps me see it. You know, a pastor—it's important that I that I, we don't just—we can get very rigid. And it's, it's helpful to have other ministers of like faith. I don't mean different denominations. Of like faith in the same word and spirit flow to help challenge some of the ways that you do things and the ways that you think about things. It's actually very healthy to be challenged. And to make sure that why do I do what I'm doing? Why do we, how do we run our services? And why do we do that? Are we falling into tradition? Are we becoming legalistic? And what are we preaching? And what is God emphasizing in the body of Christ right now? It is an immense aid and an immense help. And so while I was there, God gave me seven sermons, seven new sermons that I've actually never preached before. And he said, I want you to preach them. And so I'm telling you in the days leading into this fall, I'm going to be preaching some new stuff that I haven't preached before and that God lit up inside of me by that pastoral debate and discussion. And I believe it's very important for you to hear. Um, in fact, some of this, they've been preaching to their churches and they're like, so Pastor Craig, you, you preach that too? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. I didn't want to admit to them that I haven't preached that before. And they, they're all saying, yeah, I hear the Holy Ghost saying we need to preach. that." I'm like, amen. I hear the Holy Ghost <laughs> saying it too, but he's only saying it right now. Uh, he didn't tell me before, but uh, I'm picking it up as we're talking. Praise God. So we got some exciting days to come and and it was a very, uh, we took, uh, we took a little bit of one day off to rest and, uh, and we went and fished a little bit and pastor Edwin was there. He's the master angler caught seven. Yours truly caught 11. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise. But my arch nemesis enemy, Dr. Hattabaugh, caught 15, and I almost pushed him out of the boat. Praise God. How dare you? Uh, uh, Don't you recognize who's in your midst? So we had a, a short time of rest, and the rest of the time was sessions and discussion, and uh, a very valuable time. We do it every year, and, uh, I, you know, i like, just let's go to a city somewhere. They're like, nah, let's go out to the country where the bears are or where the, where the weird people are, so, you know, the, the, not weird people. I mean, they're, they, they're looking for Sasquatch, and I told them that Sasquatch doesn't exist. He's just a demon, but they don't leave me. I have to straighten them out on their doctrine on these things. Great time, very valuable. Thank you. I, I know I was away. My wife took good care of you, and... Uh, We appreciate that. I know Reverend Taylor took good care of you. Last Sunday, I watched his sermon. I thought it was uh, very well done. And uh, he said it from the right heart. Amen. We were with Pastor Nancy last week. And uh, I told you in the video where there was an impartation for our building. Uh, But the reason we were there, which I couldn't announce prior because her staff didn't even know. Uh, and they were scrambled. Only her, Morgan Stephen, and her financial secretary. Those are the only people, only four people on her staff knew. And myself and Pastor Debbie and Pastor Angela. We were the only ones that knew what was happening. And so they were even going to the screens, like the people that do the screens. And Morgan was trying to do stuff without them seeing wow everybody had no idea what, and people were saying, why, why, why is Pastor Craig here? Why, why, why is all these people here? Oh, he's just here because he's doing something with the castle or whatever. They were just lying like a fish. <laughs> but then she got up and put, well, this is what they owed as of the last week, 1.73 million. And then she said, now this is what we owe now. And it said zero dollars. And it was such a surprise because the man doing the screens didn't know that was the screen because Morgan had hid it from him. And so when he put it up, he started to panic. Oh, "Oh my God, that's the wrong thing. And he's trying to take it off the screen because he thinks he's made a mistake because there's no way they could owe zero dollars. And Pastor Nancy starts to rejoice. And then he realizes that this is the right screen. And basically, God paid off their whole building and uh, and 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 praise God. Uh, The Lord said, I want you there because there's a paid off flow that's coming for promise of life. Woo! Amen. So I give all that effort away from my children, away from my church family. You know, I didn't preach the previous Sunday because rascal Debbie Simons was here, who did a fantastic, amazing, glorious, masterful job. But I I miss you. I didn't want to be away again. But he said, go. There's an impartation for your building. And uh, then Pastor Nancy, I didn't know she was gonna do it. I just knew something was gonna happen. Then she called up the ministers that were present. There was only a handful of us. And when she laid hands on me, she began to prophesy about that anointing going to bring men that are funders, whether, I don't know if they're coming into the church or if they're just gonna fund from outside the church. I don't know, I don't really care to be honest with you, but she spoke that out. And so all the effort was for that one moment. Because there was an impartation that came into me for the new building. Are you listening to me? Uh, this is not part of my sermon, but it is. And if I don't preach, that's fine. But you need to know this. There was, and then I went, walked, walked back to my seat. And as soon as I got there, there was a large angel standing right here. And I said, Lord Jesus, what is he here for? And he said, he has come now. That's how he said it. Now, he wasn't there before, Jenny. He's if I hadn't have gone that angel wouldn't That's have come. Right. That's, right. That's why it matters that you're in the right place and you obey the Holy Ghost despite inconvenience. He said he has come now to fulfill the words of the prophet. And, 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 he, and I said he said now send him out. See if I don't commission him he won't work. He said send him out and his job his sole purpose is to find you funders for that building. And I said angel I release you to go and bring me the funders that the prophet has spoken of. And he flew out the door. Praise God. I'm telling you, that was worth yes. Yes. glory to God. It was worth all the effort to be in the will of God because God honors when you make the sacrifice. Amen. He, does. he really does. He does. And so, uh, that angel's working today. Yes. We'll talk about that more on another Sunday because he's starting to talk to me about that new building. And, uh, and I was sitting around with those pastors at that thing and I was, uh, They were talking about their building and they're all building new stuff. And, you know, we're not building. We just finished a little renovation, but we're waiting, right? And they're talking like, you know, it's going to cost me $1.3 The other guy, I'm going to cost me $2.8 whatever it is, right? And then they asked me, what what, what about you, Pastor Greg? What's going on with your building? We know you've renovated it. But, you know, Pastor Nancy said in the services, get on that new building. Remember that? She said that in the DMMC. She said, get on that building. So they're saying, what are you doing to get on that building? What are you doing to obey that, that instruction? And I said, well, the first thing I did is I showed up. I didn't see any of you guys there. No, just no I didn't say that to them. I said, I, I showed up on Sunday on an impartation. And I got an angel that's going to work with me for that new building. I said, so that's one thing. I said, another thing that God said to me, which I'm updating you because he said it in the DMM. This is the first Sunday I've been able to talk to you yeah. since Pastor Nancy's yeah. been here. He said, I want you to have, and, and I'm not sure how often, but it probably will be about once a month. We'll just see. I'm not legalistic. It doesn't have to be once a month. But he said, I want you to have times uh, where you not just pray, but you worship me. Yeah. Just have people come and yes, you're gonna, there'll be an anointing to pray, but they, at times I just want you to worship me, just worship me for the building. Yeah. You can't see it. You don't know where it is. You don't know how it's possibly going to come, but just spend time, have the congregation spend time worshiping me over the building. And then I'll also anoint you to pray out for the building and to command things for the building. And that angel's working for the building. But that's another little bit of nugget. One was to go, and I know now it was to get that angel and get that impartation. Another is to have worship services. He hasn't said anything about money or about raising money. He's just told me to spend time worshiping over it. But then, as I was sitting telling them that, you know, and they said, "Well, how much do you need?" And I said, "Well, I said, what concerns me is you guys probably have greater faith than me, which I'm sure some of them do. They've been in ministry longer, they've been at this longer, they've been around Dad Hagen longer." And I said, "And yet, you guys are believing for one million, two million, three million." I said, "That's a joke." I said, you can't even find a building for less than 15 million in in Mississauga. And and if we want to get one that's over 50,000 square feet, that's going to be 20 million. The bare bones basic 40,000 square feet, which is the Lord said, do not buy one less than 40. We're at 10 now. So it's going to be a fourfold increase. He said, don't do less than 40. That means we could go higher if we wanted. We'll know it when we see it but he said, don't go less than 40. And I said, the cheapest 40 we can find is 15 million. You guys talking about 1 million, 2 million. I said, that's a joke. I said, I have to believe. And in Canada, you got to put 50% down. They won't give us a mortgage on the other if we don't put 50% down. So I said, we need 7.5 million minimum just to move in. And then we're probably going to need another million to renovate. So we have 1.2 whatever million that we've been saving all these years. We've got that in the account ready, but that's more or less just to cover renovation, uh, get air conditioning units, get new, whatever we need. If we need carpet, because most of these places don't have carpet. I mean, carpet alone is can be seventy, eighty thousand dollars I mean, so that million is probably going to be used just to get the place ready. So we need $7.5 million just to get in. And so I said, I I said, sometimes I'm discouraged, guys, because I just, the the nice thing with that kind of environment is that there's no judgment. And they're all, they're all in the same kind of boat and the same kind of flow. And I said, to be honest with you, sometimes I feel a little bit overwhelmed, sometimes even discouraged, although I don't like to admit that. But I said, because everybody around me has got one, two, three, four million, and I'm believing for seven and a half. And yet everybody around me seems brighter, smarter, and further ahead than me. How is this, how is it possible? I'm not doubting. I'm just saying, like, yeah. do you understand? It It seems overwhelming. And Pastor Jay looked at me, Pastor Jay Eberly. He looked at me and the fire of God shot out, shot out of his eyes. And something came into me when he said it. You see, there's impartations even there. And I knew because I felt the power of God go into me when he said it. And the Holy Ghost said, even if all you came for was this moment in this pastoral summit, it would have been worth it. But when he spoke to me and he said, faith is the great equalizer. And he said, it don't matter whether you need 15, whether you need 20, or whether you need two. Faith will bring it. It don't matter about the number. It matters about faith. Now, I know we know that doctrinally, but he said it under the anointing. And the Holy Ghost imparted something into me when he said that. And, and, And I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't let that go faith is the great equalizer it don't matter what currency you need it in it don't matter the number that you need it faith will do the same thing for them as it does for us and god don't care if it's 15 or 1 he don't care if it's euros pounds dollars pesos he don't care that's right faith is the great equalizer faith will get everything done it don't matter how much And I felt something come into me and I said, because the devil's trying to get me to speak negative and doubtful and oh, how am I going to do this? Because it's obvious to think that way. But I felt something come in and I said, Lord, I have faith in you. And so does my congregation. And that mighty angel is out today looking for funders and influencing people. And he could bring an oil sheik. He could bring somebody, some ungodly, heathen, devil-filled businessman. And an angel could show up and say, you give them $5 million for their building. You don't know what God can do. We'll do our part as a congregation and we'll raise money. But I already said, Lord, unless you bring me millionaires, there's no way our current congregation can even come close to that amount of even just half. It's just not possible in the natural, but, but I'm not looking at that. God will either send us funders to join the church or he will send us funders from outside the church, but, and and you're going to do your part. You're not just going to wait for a funder. We're all going to do our part. And, and, And we'll talk about that later because on another day, he gave me the plan and how to talk to you about the building and money raising. And it's going to be a lot better than you think. And I'm not after your money. I'm after your faith. I'm after your faith. And God told me how to do it. He said, this is how I want you to do it. Don't, uh, don't, don't set amounts like you've done in the past. That season is over. Remember, he said it will be known as the former days. He said, how you raise money in the past is not how you're never going to raise money ever again like that. I said, but Lord, it works. But two, three hundred thousand dollars from them sheep. It works. He said, but you're not doing it that way anymore because those are the former days. He said, I'm going to teach you how to raise money for this building the Holy Ghost way. Not that we were wrong, but that there's a higher and a better way. There is a higher and better way, and it's not the way we've done it. Oh, glory to God. So, we're going to talk about that on another Sunday, probably in the new year, so you can see how the Holy Ghost wants us to do our part for the building. But our part, most likely, at current conditions, will not be enough. So he'll have to either bring in wealthy people or he will have to speak to wealthy people out in the world. But he'll do it because faith is the great equalizer. It don't matter how much you need. Don't matter what currency. God can do the same for you at 15 million as he can for them at 2 million. It's only a number. That's all it is is a number. Don't stumble over the number. So I got two impartations, praise God. I got an angel working with me, and I got the fire of God come out of Pastor J. J. Eberly to help me to think right, and not wrong, about the size of the money that we need, and we will have that building because now two ministers, Pastor uh, Reverend Reverend uh, Randy Greer, stepped in the spirit and saw the building, and then that vision ended, and he stepped back into this church and david ellis reverend david ellis when we were singing do you remember god let him hear into the spirit realm thousands of voices he didn't say hundreds he said thousands and he said what am i hearing and he said you're hearing the future congregation of promise of life church you honestly think i'm i'm, I'm happy to stay here i like this building i like our landlord i'm happy to stay here it's easier it doesn't stretch my faith as much We can afford the rent, it's not a big deal. But God, God, not me, this is not your pastor's ambition. God, this is God's ambition. God is saying, I want a lighthouse in the city. I want the, it's gonna be called the glory center because the glory of God's gonna show up. I want it to house, not hundreds, but at least one or 2,000, if not not more. God God is authoring that. And you're gonna have a part to play like I'm gonna have a part to play, but we're not gonna ever raise money again the way we did in the former days. Because there's a higher and a better way to do it. And we're going to talk about that another Sunday. So praise God. I'm telling you, the greatest days are ahead, Jennifer. The greatest days are ahead. So thank you for letting me go and not, not boycotting. You know how I know our church is developing a little bit? I like Sundays like today, Jenny, because I don't have to preach my notes. I can just share my heart. Uh, but you know how I know my church is developing spiritually? is because before... I would, I would be very careful to try to hide from you when I'm leaving because people don't come. But now I don't really care as much because I'm seeing there's still some, you know, some people that are flaky that only come when I'm here. But you're a flake pot if that's what you're doing. You're a flake pot. I don't even know if that's a word, but I made it up because you're not here just for me. I know I'm the pastor, but you're here because of reverence for the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. And any minister that I delegate that has the anointing can feed you and help you. And you shouldn't get into that my, that legalistic mindset. If my pastor's not there, I don't go. That's a carnal attitude. But our church is starting to break free of those change. And I'm noticing that, that the numbers are still a little bit lower, but they're not like they were before. That shows development spiritually in this congregation. And that encourages me. Can I also I said it on the video but I want to say it again to you that there has been so many comments made to me yours is the friendliest church we've ever been in your people are so on one person said I thought Canadians were cold and they don't mean physically cold they mean emotionally cold and they said we've all and I've heard that too you know Canadians are just kind of aloof and you know whatever and they said but you've broken that stereotype Pastor Craig yours is the warmest friendliest church I've ever been in in my life and I'm a little bit surprised at that because I, I, I think we're friendly but I don't think we're the warmest friendliest church that is, exists on the planet but you know and we're not obviously but in some people's experience they're saying we just can't get over how warm and friendly your people are And so I just want to thank you for, I don't think you're just on best behavior, I think it actually comes out of you, that you actually have the love of God in you, and that you enjoy talking to people, and you enjoy being warm, and you enjoy being sweet. And I want you to know that it's obviously not as common out there as we may think it is, uh, because of the shocking number of people that have told me that. And so I want to thank you as a congregation, from the bottom of my heart as a pastor, for letting the love of Jesus shine through you. It means so much. It means something to Jesus that we're a warm, friendly, loving church. And, and uh, they say it comes from the head down. I try to be that way. But, you know, it's not just coming from the head down. It's because God's working in your heart. And he's, and, and he's, and he's maturing you in the love walk. And, and it is expressed by the way you handle people. And I'm not saying that we don't have issues and problems. We're, we're humans, right? Every church is a gathering of human beings. Some human beings are further along in the love walk than others. So there's still always going to be issues and problems and people getting hurt feelings, but I'm talking in the general overall. We have a very warm, loving church, and I want to thank you for that because I'm always shocked when I hear that, not because I think we're mean, just because I'm always striving to let the love of God be expressed, and then all of a sudden when somebody stops you and says, hey, the love of God is being expressed, it kind of shocks me. Like, really? You mean we're actually doing it? So thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, and I mean that I also want to say this to you as a congregation, even when I'm traveling, my staff communicate with me because they're in touch with the different connection group leaders. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody is in a connection group and we don't want to make it a heavy legalistic thing. It's not activity heavy or, or, you know, pressure on you. It's just that you're in a little group that if you need help, if you need prayer, if you need support, there's somebody there that is thinking of you, praying for you, and that will kind of funnel that to us. You can always call the the church directly. But from our connection group leaders, we get updates at times uh, from different things happening in the congregation. And, uh, and a few times recently, I've heard uh, from different leaders saying, you know, this person is really struggling. And that person is really going through, they've just lost a family member, you know, and they're really grieving. Or this person has lost their job, and they're really struggling right now. And, and yet, you know, we're grateful for the information that comes, whether through the grapevine or whether through the connection leader. But but in most cases, almost in every case, when we get those reports, the individual that is suffering has not called the church office, has not told us that you're hurting. And as a pastor, that makes me sad because if I know somebody is going through a difficult time, I want to know so that I can pray for you, depending on the severity of it, that I can call you That if you need to come in for a meeting, not necessarily even counseling, but just a meeting, just so that we can talk and pray together, and I can help you through it. I need to know. If I don't know, the Lord doesn't always reveal it to me by the word of knowledge. Sometimes you just have to pick up the phone and call. So I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're going through a difficult season, don't suffer in silence. If you want to call the connection leader and have them contact us, that's fine. Or contact us directly. Just call the church. Speak to Sue or anybody that answers and just say, I'm just going through something. Would you just ask pastor to join his faith with me? Or, or I need to meet with him. Or could I meet with one of you, know, associate like Pastor Reverend Taylor? Uh, we are here to help. Are you listening to me? Yeah. With the busyness of the schedule and the traveling and all this stuff going on, it's, very, it's, it's easy for the devil to use the busyness of my schedule. Are you listening to me? Because I want you not to be ignorant of his devices. One of his devices is to use the busyness of my schedule because I'm in an apostolic office as well as a pastoral office. And if I don't go, I'll get in trouble with God. But one of his tactics will be to come and whisper in the congregation's ears and say, your pastor's absent. Your pastor don't love you. If he was a good pastor, he'd be around more How come you can't get an appointment with him? You've got to recognize those are accusatory thoughts. If there's something accusing this local church or accusing me or accusing you or accusing your brothers and sisters, it's never the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost never accuses. He may bring correction, but he never accuses you. There's a different tone to to the voice. There's a different sound. It lands in you differently when it's the devil. And it can sound so sweet and it can sound so nice and so and and he'll be so subtle about it that you almost believe that it's true and you've got to remember if something is accusing it's not the Holy Ghost and I'm not absent even if I'm away and I'm not dismissive and I'm not ignoring while I'm away I'm praying for this congregation I have your pictures in my phone My wife is here. Our staff is here. You are not alone and don't let the devil lie to you and say Well, another pastor would give you more time, but god didn't plant you with another pastor So you don't pick a pastor because of the time you go where god plants you And god knew when he planted you that I would have to go more And he still planted you So it didn't take him by surprise. So don't let it take you by surprise. And we have developed a staff and my wife to handle spiritual responsibilities in my absence. So I just want you to be aware of that. We are here. We don't want anybody suffering. We don't want anybody feeling alone. And you've got to communicate to us if you want the help. And we want to give it to you. So call your connection leader, call the church office. And uh, I love you. I just feel like the congregation needs to hear that, is that I'm I'm extremely blessed and extremely grateful that God has asked me to pastor. I I laugh because I never wanted to pastor ever. And I told God, I'll do anything. I'll live in the jungles without a tent. I will. I will live in a gutter, but don't have me pastor. Don't make me stay in Canada. And if I have to pastor, give me a church. Don't make me start one from scratch. And God wrote down all my requests. (laughs) And then he answered me. And I remember the day he answered me. It was the day after I ended my time at the previous church as an associate. And I told the pastor, I'm going to pastor, but I don't know where, well, I'm going into the ministry, but I don't know where And uh, I know it's on a missionary to Peru because God said no to that, but there's got to be something else. And he said, okay, go for it kind of thing. And I went to pray. Remember, I don't know if you know, up on Old Baseline Road, north of Brampton, there's these big red looking like Badland Dune things. Now, of course, our big brother government wants to control every aspect of our lives. Now you can't even touch them. You got to pay money. But back in those days, you just go do whatever you want. So I parked and I walked through the dunes and I went over into the back dunes. You can't even see the road where I was. And I just put a a, red dust that gets on your clothes. I put a blanket down and there's nobody around there. And I just started to pray. I spent the day praying and fasting. And I said, Lord, here are my requests. And God wrote them down. (laughs) And I said, Lord, what do you have to say? And he said, you will start a church from scratch. That's the first X. You will start it in Canada. That's the second X. And you will be a pastor for the rest of your life. And I wept. It started to rain. And I felt the angels were weeping with me. And I would have never thought I would say to you, I'm so happy to be a pastor because that was the last thing I wanted to do. I'd be willing to do almost anything but pastoring. Anything, including living in the jungle without a tent. But God asked me to do it and he put a love and a grace in me and on me to do it. Believe me, it is God's grace. It is not yours truly as a great person because I don't have it in me but God put a grace on me, and he put an anointing on me to help gather people, and he, I'll always be a pastor to some measure, but now I've stepped into a higher office, and now we're planting churches and going different places, And, and, and but I find myself, even when I'm in Africa, uh, Delaware, and I love all these places, but there's no place like home. There's no place like Promise of Life Toronto. There's no congregation like this congregation, and I just want to tell you how much I love you, and I, I don't always do that because I'm usually yelling at you. <laughs> telling you to run faster, cast out devils, jump through the hoop, give more money. What are you doing? Stop gossiping. I'm usually slapping you, but today I just felt the Holy Ghost say, just tell them how much you love them. Because they need to hear it as a congregation. We are always pressing forward. Because that's the anointing on me is to press forward. And some of you are way on yonder back and I'm dragging you by your toenails. And others of you are running right beside me saying, Pastor, can we go faster? There's all different levels in this church but we're always pressing. That's part of what God wants us to do in the end. We're pressing, but every now and then we need to just take a a drink break and just say, you're very valuable to God. You're very valuable to me and Jenny. I would pick this congregation over any congregation in the world. And if I had a choice to go and live without a tent in a snake infested jungle, I would now say no. because I don't ever want to leave this place. This is my home. I don't mean physical home. I mean, this is my spiritual place of residence. And I, and I, and I just appreciate you more than you know. And the fact that you continue coming and tithing and sowing when I'm not here, I appreciate that. Hallelujah. God is good. And the days ahead are very, very, very bright. Hallelujah. You know that this is the feast of the week of trumpets. Hallelujah. And uh, some of the pastors were saying, I won't say their names, but they're saying, I believe Jesus is coming back this week. And they're convinced of it. They're going to their churches today to say, Jesus is coming this week. And let's, let's all gather and wait for him. And I said, "Uh, you're all wrong. How do you know? I said, because I know God better than you. (laughs) I said, if Jesus was coming, I would know it. Well, I know it. I said, but I don't. So I said, When Friday comes and we haven't been raptured, I'm sending you all a text to say you should have listened to the apostle of God. But now I did actually say all of that, but that's not the point. The point is, is that there's many pastors and many believers today that really believe we are, we are at the very last final moment. And it's very easy for you to fall into a sense of day on, day off, every day the same, this complacent, familiar, we just keep going. And I'm telling you, we are, whether he comes this week or not, we are in the very last of the last days. And Jesus is coming very, very soon. And we have to trim our lamps as those virgins. And I'm going to preach a whole sermon about the 10 virgins, which I've never preached before. That's one of the seven sermons he gave me. I'm not doing it today, but we're, but I'm telling you, we are in the last moment of time. And that doesn't mean that you now go and spend all your extra money and and go and quit your job. And, and that some people do that. And that would be foolish. We don't know when he's coming, but I believe we'll know the year that he's coming. And of course, it has to be on the Feast of Trumpets. And of course, it's the only feast where they would never know when it starts. Because the priest would look up into the sky and he would look for the full moon. But it's, you know, back then they didn't have digital equipment. So exactly when the moon is fully full, it could be one day, could be the next day. That's why it says no man knoweth the day or the hour. Because on the Feast of Trumpets, when they determined the moon was full, they would blow a trumpet. And they would say, it has started now. But they couldn't tell exactly always. So it took a day or two, sometimes even three, to determine when the full moon had started that feast. That's why we're going to know the, I believe we're going to know in our spirits the year Jesus is coming. Yeah. And we're going to know the weekend that he's coming. But we're not going to know if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We're not going to know exactly because no man knows the day or the hour. He didn't say no man knows the season. That's right. It could be on a Saturday at 10 in the morning. It could, whatever. And I got a whole new sermon all about the Jewish. I'm just just getting you, just, I'm giving you hors d'oeuvres about the Jewish wedding ceremony. It's fascinating. And the Jewish wedding ceremony mirrors the rapture of the church perfectly and accurately. Even down to the fact that there are a hundred trumpet blasts when they go through the streets announcing that the bridegroom is coming. And Jesus says, the Bible says, we're going to see him in the clouds and we'll be changed. And then we're going to, we're going to literally levitate up and meet him. But you can't see Jesus on every place of the planet at the same time. People in South Africa, if they look up into their sky, they can't see what we're seeing in our sky. But there's, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe there's going to be, right down to even that tiny detail, there's going to be a hundred sections of this planet that Jesus stands at, and the angel is gonna blow that trumpet. And the people in that vicinity, that all looking up can see him from that region of the earth, they will go up, and then Jesus will move to another part, and there'll be another trumpet blast, and those people will go up, and he'll do that a hundred times, and he's not missing Toronto because I'm here. Amen. And because you're here. I'm serious. It's exciting where this is not a fairy tale. This is actually happening. Jesus is coming. And if, and if, and if those pastors are right and I'm wrong, it could be this week. So if I, you, I'd make sure you're ready and that you're right. And you know what? If they're wrong, I'll be the happiest person when I meet them in the clouds to say, guys, I submit to your authority. You were right. I was wrong. Because what does that mean? It means my troubles are over. It means, it means I'm done with this thing. It means I get to see Jesus for the first time. It means I get to meet my new horse. It means I get to see my mansion, which we know is gonna be bigger than Greg's. It means I get to put relocation requests in that Greg is now on transfer to the other side of the New Jerusalem. You gotta file those relocation requests when you get there. Maybe your angel will do it for you. It means I get to go before the throne and I get to look upon God the Father. That no human being, I mean, it's beyond comprehension what is ahead of us. And that could happen this week if these pastors are right. But they're not. But they're not. Because I would know it. You say, who do you think you are? I don't know. I just know that I'll know it. But it's coming. It could be next fall. It could be in 23. It could be, I mean, in 24 or five. I personally think it's going to be around the early 30s because Dad Hagen was the forerunner, and God spoke to Lester Sumrall and said the forerunner will preach for hundred years as Noah did before judgment comes. Yeah. Judgment comes when the church is raptured, yeah. and now you don't have to believe that, but that's what God told in an audible voice to Lester Sumrall, who we trust. And the forerunner is Dad Hagen because Jesus appeared to his mother and said he is the forerunner of the last day move of God. As John was a forerunner for my first coming, Kenneth Hagen is a forerunner of my second. Dad Hagen started to preach in August 1934. So if you, if you take it literally, and it may not be, but if you take it literally, it's probably going to be 10 or 11 years from now. But nobody else agrees with me on that. Everybody else says it's going to be before 30. It's going to be 29 maybe 30, maybe 27. Uh, Everybody has different opinions and nobody knows. You know what? Jesus doesn't even know. Jesus don't know when he's coming. Only the Father knows. But on one of these feasts, he's going to look to Jesus and he's going to say, go get your bride. Oh, my God. Jesus is going to say to that angel with the horn, come on, boy, it's time to get my babies out of that cesspool. My Lord Jesus, he's coming, my brother and sister. He is coming. The best days. You say, well, then why are you even thinking about a building? Because he said, until I come, occupy. Don't take a vacation. You keep pressing forward in your faith, in your victory, in casting out devils and raising up churches and healing the sick and preaching the uncompromising word and telling people that don't know if they're men or female, they're not to be confused you press forward until you hear the trump i hope jessica it is this week my troubles are over but if it's not and it won't be because they're all wrong but if it's not it's going to be at some point on yonder and i'm going to keep pressing and i'm not going to quit and i'm going to when he comes i'm going to be a virgin with my that's a spiritual term i'm going to be a spiritual virgin ready i'm i i have not sullied myself by worshiping other idol gods I don't have anybody ahead of me, no God ahead of me but him. I'm pure and chaste before God. And my oil is going to be full. And my wick is going to be trimmed. And my lamp is going to be on fire. And I'm looking to the sky while i got one hand on the plow. And I'm pressing, but I'm looking. And I'm saying, Lord, I'll work as hard as I can till my last breath. But Lord Jesus, come quickly. My God, Jenny. Woo! my God. Are all of you going to go in the rapture? Maybe not. But we'll talk about that another Sunday. We'll talk about that another Sunday. Because there's, yeah, I know you're going. I've always put some relocation papers in for you, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Because there's a lot of Christians that are not going. You say, what are you talking about? Well, if you're born again, you're going. I don't care what denomination you're from. If you're born again, you're going. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there that think they're born again they prayed a prayer but they didn't mean it and because they didn't mean it there was no outward change of life there was no fruits of righteousness there was no commitment and faithfulness to the lord jesus in a lifestyle change and those people kenneth e hagan would say have a mental ascent conversion and they're not saved they're not born again and when that trump sounds they're not going because you have to be born again and living for God, not living like the devil. You've got to be born again, living right, right. if you're going. God don't care if you believe the Baptist and you don't speak in tongues. That, that is not a, uh, that's not a deal breaker. God don't care if you don't believe in healing. That's not a deal breaker. God don't care if you go to a secret sensitive church as much he does. But that's not a deal breaker. You've got to be born of the spirit with a lifestyle change. And then you're going. But there's some people today that are not born of the spirit. They've, they're born of the mind. They've made a conversion in their mind to say, Jesus is my Lord. And they are no more born again than, than, than a Hindu. You can't just say it, a prayer, and I think a little prayer is going to get you in. It's got to be a heart change, and the power of God comes into you, and you live, think, speak, and act like a different human being. And if that's not you, if I were you, I'd change. Yes. Because Jesus is coming and I don't want anybody in my congregation. It's a member, so to speak, left out. Are you listening to me? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say, this is not a game. This is not a game. And there's going to be in that tribulation period, there's going to be another. There's, going to, there's more than one rapture if you study the Bible. There's, but don't, 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 don't you start thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just go second load. Because some Christians think that. That's where people come with a mid-trip theology because there is listed in the Bible that there is another rapture in the tribulation. And so some people say, well, I'll just live how I want. And the sign to smarten up is when that first batch goes. Then I'm going to get serious. Then I'm going to start going to church and I'm going to start tithing and I'm going to start forgiving people because now I know this is serious. Yeah, but what you don't know in the first half of the tribulation by the fifth seal that is that is broken yeah. oh One quarter of the entire earth has been killed yeah. That is two billion people are gonna are gonna die Before the, even the mid of the tribulation comes I'm not scaring you, but i'm just saying people that think i'll just hold off live how I want now I'm gonna you don't even know you'll make it to the second rapture You don't even know you'll make it. By God. Uh, I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to stay hot. I'm going to stay on fire. I'm going to stay clean. I'm going to keep my eyes on the plow and my eyes on heaven. And I'm going to work for Jesus and live for him. But I'm going to look for him and I'm going to be ready for him at his coming. I'm not going to be like those 10 that the door closed. And he said, you weren't ready for me. I don't know you he's going to say, come on, Craig, you're ready. You're on fire. You're ready. Come on, come on, come on, come on to the marriage supper of the lamb. My God, my brother and sister, this this is big in my heart because this, especially this week, because I've been meditating so much because this is the feast of trumpets. We're in it right now. Jesus could literally come right the second before the service is over. We could be gone. Now we won't be (laughs) because all the pastors are wrong and I'm the only one that's right but I'm hoping and praying that I'm wrong because I want to go. I want to see him. And I want you to see him too. And I think there's going to be a street. I don't know, but I think there's going to be a street called Promise of Life. If we're a family here, don't you, do you really think God's going to put certain people on the other side of the New Jerusalem? No, he won't. No, he's gonna he's gonna mess with me for eternity, and I'll see Greg in his front lawn waving at me every morning forever. Can you hire hitmen in heaven? No. There aren't no police to call for harassing neighbors. But I believe this, that we're gonna be a family here, like, like we are there, like we are here. Now I could be wrong on that, but I wouldn't be surprised because God understands that families love each other. Spiritual families love each other. Who knows how God's gonna work it? I don't know, but I know that when Richard Sigmund went to heaven, he saw his grandparents there. Now listen to this, he saw his grandfather's mansion, he saw his grandmother's mansion, but then he saw a third mansion. And over the lintel of the door, it said the grandfather's name and the grandmother's name. And they were sitting on the deck in chairs holding hands in their shared mansion in heaven. And I thought, my God, how many couples? (laughs) Because most couples, when they have the reform of request... One, two, or three, they will click individual dwelling. (laughs) Only, only. But for me and Jenny, we will put third shared accommodation. I'm going to be with her forever. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I'm just kidding, honey. I'm just kidding. If you pause, you lose the effect. Yes. <laughs> the best days are ahead of us. The best days. I have no idea why I'm talking about this cuz this is not my sermon. But the best days are ahead of us. And at the summit, just cuz we were all feeling a little bit, you know, whatever, and so we started building ourselves up by talking about what we're going to do in the in the millennial reign. And and we were reading scriptures together, and it says that there will be thrones all over this planet that the saints that went in the rapture will sit upon and will rule over the natural body. You're going to have a resurrected body, but you're going to rule over the natural bodied saints that continue living and reproducing throughout that thousand years. And you're going to have it rule over a section. If you're not very faithful, you might have rule over a three house neighborhood (laughs) with gang members. If you're a bit more faithful, you might have rule over a street. Then you might have rule over a neighborhood. Then you might have rule over a section of a city. You might have rule over a town or a city or a region. See, what you do here determines your role there. If you can't even make it to church because you're that distracted, it will reflect in your assignments in the thousand-year reign of Christ. And I've got scripture for it. Do you understand what you do this is the this is the application process. This is the interview. You haven't even started your job. This is God saying, "Can I select you?" Well, you got to be born again first. But now how much can I trust you? What are you doing? How are you serving me? That's your application. When you get to heaven, God's going to review it and going to say, you were faithful and little. Here you've got three houses. Take good care of them. You were faithful and much. I'm going to put you over a whole country. I'm serious. You're not going to be a fat little cherub with a harp and a bow and arrow naked on a cloud singing kumbaya. You're going to have assignments and jobs. My God. And Jenny, people are going to be reproducing, not us, but the natural bodied saints for a thousand years. And God's going to make a new earth. But then for eternity, which you can't fathom, those natural bodied saints, which will number probably in the tens of billions by the end of the millennium, they're going to continue reproducing forever. And so you wonder why uh, there's other planets out there. And when Richard Sigmund went to heaven, he saw another planet. And he wanted to go and explore that. And the angel said, You're not allowed to go there yet. But there are entire planets that are going to be populized that we're going to have rule over. Because people will be producing and having babies forever in a pure, clean state, without sin, without the devil, without rebellion, without demons. This is a trial run. This is dress rehearsal. Don't be late to the dress rehearsal don't go out in your skivvies put your uniform on in the dress rehearsal because what is coming your job will be determined by how you handled the dress rehearsal Every week you have a dress rehearsal to come to church. You think I'm making this up? I'm not making this up. This is a very serious thing. I would highly suggest that you you become ambitious if you want to look at it that way. Ambitious for God. Hungry to press ahead in the plan of God. Whatever that is for your life. If, you're, if God just says to you, be an usher, and that's all he says, and you're faithful, and you're a tither, and you love people, and you witness to people, and you're an usher, and that's what you do your whole life, God will count you, listen to me, as faithful. Yeah as the pastor if the pastor has run his race properly because he's not looking at well he had a bigger job assignment and you had a smaller job assignment so he gets something better and you get something lesser no God looks at faithfulness and did you do your assignment you'd be happy if your assignment is simpler because it means you've got less on your plate I have maybe more on my plate, but we share the same reward because it's not based on what we did. It's based on faithfulness to fulfill whatever the assignment was. You should be happy if your assignment is only vacuuming because it's easy. Do you understand? You don't have to be ambitious. You don't have to think that you're less, but you just be happy with what God's asked you to do. And if the pastor comes and says, I need your help, the Holy Ghost prompted me. If I were you, I'd be more inclined to say yes than no. You have the ultimate say. I'm not controlling you. But God may want to bring you into other assignments within the local church. And you may not want all of those assignments. But if God is assigning you, then do the assignment. Because you will be rewarded on the faithfulness to the assignment. Not on exactly what it was, but on faithfulness to it. Do you understand? So rejoice if your assignment is small. Because you're going to get the same reward as someone with the big assignment. Just that God's giving you an easier road. Are you with me? The best days. The best days are yet to come. Lord Jesus, I want you to come. They're all wrong. You're not coming. But I want you to come. Come quickly, but we need you to come. We, need to, we want to get out of this. I'm like, jo- I feel like Lot. I'm grieved with the daily conversation of the wicked. You know, Lot was grieved. He was around wickedness. He shouldn't have gone there, but he found himself there. But even there, the Bible called him in Hebrews, the righteous Lot grieve, daily grieve with the conversation of the wicked. When you go to work, if you're grieved with their lifestyle, with their sin, with their conversation, don't be discouraged because you're in good company because Lot was grieved before the judgment fell. And we're going to get increasingly grieved by what we see, what we hear, what our government is doing. Don't be discouraged. We will stand And we will uphold the banner of righteousness despite persecution and despite people not liking us. And we will be hot and ready when Jesus comes in those clouds. And we're going. Hallelujah. And my God, the best, can you imagine, can you even fathom what heaven's going to be like? I mean, this is a trial run. The best days are ahead of us, brothers and sisters. The best days for this church are ahead of us. The former days have ended. We're entering into a new phase of ministry. This ministry is entering into a new phase. The the overlap started. At the DMMC conference, the impregnation of a deposit came by the prophet because we honored and made a room for it. It started in that. And we're going to step into the fullness of it in 24. We're going to see things manifested and birthed in 24. And a new phase is upon us. And the former days are old days. How we raise money is changing. How the staff is being handled is changing. I'm telling you, God's been dealing with me about our staff. And we're making changes. Because we want, we want the best possible chance of fulfilling our run, fulfilling our race, running our race. Things in leadership, things in your heart, things in my heart, uh, secret sins, hidden things, things you don't think anybody knows about. God's trying to deal with you about them. God's trying to get your attention about them because we're coming into a new phase. I got to quit, but I tell you, He showed me that. 12.01 I've got six minutes. I need to tell you this it's important. I'm looking at my at my journal on May the 9th because that's when he spoke it to me. That's when he showed me about this new phase so let me just read that to you for just a quick second if you don't mind. My first fa- my first preparation of ministry and I'll say this in five minutes but I want you to know where we're going. From the time I started preaching at 16 it was 17 years of preparation before I, st- I was, I wasn't even in my first phase of ministry. I was in a wilderness season of preparation. You can't get into ministry if you don't come out of the wilderness. Israel stayed in the wilderness their whole life, and they never entered into their promised land. Many ministers never come out of their first, their, their preparation. They don't even step into the first phase because they don't deal with the inward dealings of God in their heart and motives and soul in the preparation time. You know what Jesus told Dad Hagan? He said, many if I say there's 10 people and I say many of you are good looking, what does that mean? More than half. He said many, that means more than 50% of my ministers never enter the first phase of their ministry. More than 50% of fivefold ministers today never get out of their wilderness training preparatory season to step into phase one. It's very important you understand that. And, and you should be questioning, have I stepped in? Because you don't want to follow somebody that's not stepping in. You don't want to follow somebody that's keeping you in the wilderness. My preparatory season was from the time I started in 1991. And it went 17 years. And it ended in 2008. And when I, when I started this church on October 7th, 2008, God spoke to me. And he said, you are now entering the first phase of your ministry. And when we started this church, it was the first phase. I'm just making it simple and short because of time. The second phase started, and again, you don't know your phases unless God tells you them. You can't just come up with phases. God said, when the mantle comes, December 12th, 2000, when the mantle comes, that happened at two forty-five a.m. on December 12th, 2000. Yeah. Two angels stood beside me. Jesus walked in the room. He poured on, uh, like a, I don't know what kind of thing, but it was like a, it felt like honey, but it was warm and he poured it over my head and it came down and that mantle came upon me that I'd fasted for 40 days for. And the Lord said to me, this marks the beginning of your second phase of ministry. So the first phase was 12 years from 2008 to 2020. Then that was the second phase. Now there's rooms within each phase. Within phase one, there were different rooms, which I'm not going to go into because of sake of time. And within the second phase, which was in the mantle, there's been different rooms. But the Lord said to me on May 9th of this year, he said, your third phase of ministry will begin at the end of the three years of death. Remember, we had the mantle and God said, now there's going to be three years of a vineyard. The vineyard parallel in the Old Testament, three years, they couldn't touch the fruit. The fourth year was the tithe year. The fifth year was the increase year. And he said, when the three years have completed, he said this to me May 9th this year, we're in the third year. 2023 is the third year. He said, when this year ends and you begin your first increase year, which is 2024, you will have started your third phase of ministry. So I know that another major shift is coming at the end of this year. Now, God's already started that with the Dufresne Miracle Crusade, but we're coming into something new. That's the third phase. And then he's already told me, when you step into your Jerusalem years, which is going to be 2027, 28, and I'll talk about that another time. He said that will be the beginning of your fourth and final phase of ministry before the rapture. So, now, of course, Jesus can come back whenever he wants and interrupt this, because Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming. He always talks to us based on the plan of God. He doesn't talk to us based on the rapture, because he doesn't even know when the rapture is. himself doesn't know. So, we just plan ahead and fulfill the plan, and God will interrupt that, As he sees fit. But I know our fourth phase starts at the Jerusalem years, but we are entering our third phase January 1st, 2024. Now, let me say this to you. Dad Dad Dufresne always said this at the beginning of every new phase of ministry, and a phase is a major event. Rooms are not as major, but a phase is a major event. It's like going to a house. You go into a mansion or a house, and you've got rooms. But when you move houses, That's a bigger deal than going from the living room to the kitchen. In phase one, there were multiple rooms. In phase two, these three, since the mantle came, there's been multiple rooms. But in phase three, which starts at the beginning of next year, we're moving into a whole new house. And there's other rooms. And in those rooms, Jenny, is new angels, new equipment, new finances, new graces, higher anointings, more miracles. They're all in those rooms. But Dad hey, Dufresne Dad always said when you go into a new phase of ministry, which is a major event in the life of a minister or a church, he said, what happens typically is that people that do not guard their hearts during a change of phase, the devil will work overtime to get people offended and angry. What does 1 Corinthians 16, 9 say? Paul said, an effectual door is opened unto me and there are many adversaries so at a new door pastor happy there is many demons trying to cause havoc and he said because there's more of an operation of the demonic when you're about to enter a new phase of ministry those demons are working to get the people angry offended upset with each other upset with God upset with the pastor upset with the whole thing upset with the color of the carpet he'll try his best to get you agitated And doctors said, if people don't guard their hearts amidst the demonic assault during a change of phase, if they don't guard their heart, they will become a blockage to the flow of the anointing. And the anointing, his phraseology was, the anointing will bust them. Because the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. Or it it breaks a blockage. So we always said, the anointing will actually remove you. If you try to block what God is doing because of your carnal attitude Do you understand because when you're coming into a new phase, there can't be blockages There's already enough spiritual activity going on You've got to get past the threshold of that new house and into that first room And there is a there is a sweeping motion of God And if people try to stop or block that the anointing will actually remove them Because it's bigger than one person. The whole ministry is moving forward Don't be a blockage in this next three months, in this next six months. It's a very critical time for our church. We are moving into something new. How do you not be a blockage? You stay humble. You stay gentle. You say, Jesus, if you need to correct me, correct me. If my pastor needs to correct me, I receive it. I'm going to be extra cautious to walk in love with my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to be a carnal bucket in my thinking and be easily offended with things going on. It's very important. Listen to me. If he can't offend you through me, which he'll try to, by by my bold approach, he will try to offend you through the person sitting in these seats. Somebody will make a comment to you in the bathroom. Wow, that dress really makes you look fat. And then you're weeping for a week and you burn the dress. And then you miss service for a few weeks because you don't want to see that person that insulted you and you hold it And you fester it and you're angry about it Then you're trying to find a good comeback then you look at them and say wow your nose is big You know what that is carnal And if they say your dress looks fat you look fat in it you need to say well thank god that i'm losing weight and by the way you look so lovely in that outfit. That's how you handle it. You don't say, "Well, what do you think, big nose? Who cares what you think, big big nose?" You know, but I'm telling you, if he can't offend you from the pulpit, he will try to offend you from members. So, in the next 3 to 6 months, uh, be all extra cautious that you walk in love. Be extra cautious you don't cause offense. Are you listening? Don't say things that would hurt people. You you know, you need to think about this. What you say matters. People have feelings. Oh, but Pastor, we shouldn't be led by feelings. Yes, but we have them. And when you say hurtful things, you are giving the devil place in this church. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians give the devil no place. Your words and your offensive actions can actually open a door for him to sweep in and cause friction and infighting and gossiping and anger and hurt feelings, and you're to blame. Are you listening to me? Because some of you are laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm serious about this. Watch what you say to each other. Go by by the adage, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Are you listening to me? You know, people say, Taylor's on here. People, Ted Taylor tells me, oh, everybody thinks you're so nice and everybody likes you. And I'm like, really? Like the pastors, you know, everybody likes you. Oh, he asks, Pastor, what do you do to make everybody like you so much? I'll tell you the secret. I always go to somebody and I compliment them. And I don't do it as a joke. I'll say to Pastor Joel, Pastor Joel, you're looking so great these days. And I mean it i'm not saying it to get a a rise i try to find something positive something i admire They might have things I don't like, but I focus on what I do like and I vocalize it and I make them feel special And I'm not doing it to manipulate or try to get a friend I just believe we're supposed to edify exhort and build each other up And the way we do that is to find something positive and comment about it So I want you as a congregation to start doing that Don't be thinking all these thoughts find something that is positive about the person in the bathroom or getting and compliment them find something good and build them up and say, I love, I appreciate you. If you do that, our church will stay very tight in the bonds of love and in the bonds of unity. And the devil will be swirling to try to find an open door at this new phase of an open door and he'll be trying to cause people to be blockages so that the anointing will remove them so the church suffers and we become smaller. But if we stay in that tight ball of unity, he might swirl, but he cannot find a chink in the link of the armor and he's trying. But every time he whispers to you, you say, no, you don't. I love that person. No, you don't. They didn't mean that. Love covers a multitude of sins. They may have said that but I choose to forgive them and i'm going to go compliment them next sunday No, you don't devil. I know my pastor loves me and he's preaching right Are you listening? Be very cognizant because we're coming into a new phase It's actually technically already started. The overlap has started be cautious in this season Hallelujah, you with me heavenly father. I bless them I bless them in jesus name I say that they multiply and they increase in the land. I say that their marriages and their children and their businesses and their families and their health is blessed in Jesus' name. I thank you that they have victory over every enemy that they will face. I thank you that we're covenant people. I thank you that we've got our hand on the plow and our eye on heaven. Lord, we're looking to you to come quickly. But we will run our race and occupy until that great glorious day. Heaven is our great home and we have much to look forward to. But on this earth, we will plow the ground, the gospel plow. We will plow it and we will do our part in the kingdom. And Lord, as we enter this new phase as we've already started to enter this new phase, help this congregation to be cognizant of the love walk more than anything else. Because the enemy would try to come in this open door. The adversary would try to cause people to be blockages, to hurt each other, to offend each other, to get angry with me and with each other and with guest speakers. And even Lord, the devil will try to get us angry with you. But Father, we know his devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes. And we will guard our hearts. We will guard our thoughts and our words. And we will start to compliment and love each other and build each other up by edification, exhortation, and comfort, which is the simple gift of prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I thank you that our church will stay in a tight bond of unity. And we will not splinter apart even during this change of phase and I give you glory for it. Lord, the enemy tried to splinter us during COVID at the time the mantle came, and he did not win. And he will probably try some maneuvers in the next three to six months, and he will not succeed. In fact, I bind his operations, and I commend you in Jesus' name. You cease from your maneuvers against this congregation. You will not find an open door, and you will not cause havoc. We move together as one man with one heart and one mind in love and the bonds of unity and we enter this new phase of ministry of 2024 onwards and Lord, we will keep our hand on the gospel plow. One eye on the plow and one eye on the sky. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're coming soon. Lord, if I'm wrong and you come before Wednesday night, then I'll see them on the other side. And I pray they don't put in translocation papers to be away from me. We're going to live together and we're going to love each other. And if you don't come, I'll see them tonight or Wednesday night. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Praise God.